I really admire, in some ways, and I'm, we're all different, I know, but I really admire pastors that are that are so uh, so much more organized and meticulous than I am, <laughs> um, because I get messed up almost every Sunday, and it's hard to get back. It's not hard, but it's uh, it's interesting when the Lord takes you in a direction, and then you've got to kind of pull back and go back to what you were going to talk about originally. And sometimes those are good, and sometimes those are confusing. Um, so <clears throat> I want to go through these scriptures, but I think I'm just going to talk. Uh, I think I'm just going to talk about them a little bit more with you guys, if that's okay. Are y'all cool with that? Necessarily, uh, I mean, I guess I've got a sermon in here somewhere, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to talk with you guys too, maybe towards the end. All right, we're going to start in Luke 5, um, if you want to turn there, uh, and we will end up in John 21, 1, eventually, but we're going to start in Luke 5. And these are the two stories about uh, fishermen catching fish and Jesus. <laughs> uh, most of you know these stories. These two are, are kind of parallels. The first one in Luke 5 was early in Jesus' ministry. Before he was crucified and resurrected, the second one is after he was resurrected and he shows up again on the scene to kind of give you a, the bigger picture of what's going on here. But in Luke 5, um, Luke 5, 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of, Gen- I can't pronounce this, he was standing by the lake, okay? Gen- Genesaret? Genesaret. Genesaret? Genesaret? He was standing by the lake, okay? Big G. He's standing by the G lake. All right. People were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats. I love that. He just jumped into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So you get the picture. He's teaching people, sees some guys, they're done fishing, goes and jumps in the boat, pulls out, starts teaching people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. <laughs> Basically, look, we're exhausted. We, we've tried this and it's not working. We've worked hard all, light, all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. <laughs> it's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish. Um, now, I want to get to the other part, but before I get there, there's... You know what? No, we're going we're to skip there and I'll, I'll back up. Let's, let's jump over to John 21, because we're going to look at both of these kind of together. John 21, 1. I'll give you a minute to get there. Tracy, can you throw me that water bottle, please? It's on the other side. I hid it from you. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. <clears throat> John 21, 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Thank you. That was an easier one to pronounce. It happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, son of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. Uh, verse 3 I'm, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, <clears throat> but they caught nothing that night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 5, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets 
on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, come on, John, you can just say I. (laughs) He's writing this. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped in the water. Stop there. I don't know why he did this. That still doesn't make any sense to me, why he put his clothes on and then jumped in the water to swim. But he did. Um, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, as they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him who you are because they knew it was the Lord. All right, and then later on he goes to reinstate Peter. Peter, do you love me? And that comes kind of after that while they're, <clears throat> while they're eating breakfast uh, on the shore. All right, these, these two instances are interesting because there are some similarities and then there are some differences. Now, we're not going to tackle every single one. I'm not going to try to make something out of nothing here because uh, I tried to look up a few different points and what if there was some significance in 153 and all these things, and I'm not going to reach for any of that stuff. Well, I want to focus on kind of the main thing here. Um, the first instance was Jesus in his, in his ministry when he was on earth. The second one was after his resurrection. What I think there, there are a few, several truths that are going on here. Um, the... The main one is that both both instances, the disciples had not caught anything on their own, and they were discouraged, right? They'd been fishing all night. They had worked very hard, and they were a little frustrated. Would that suffice to say? If you were a fisherman and you stayed up all night fishing, you would be a little frustrated if you caught no fish, especially since it's your livelihood and, and food as well. So the first thing I want to kind of tackle is disappointment. Uh, I actually heard this about three weeks ago in... Uh, Andrew and I were talking about it before service of some of the things that we had started to see kind of poking their ugly heads up uh, in the spirit and and these were a few of them and and I kind of want to kind of go back to them before we move forward. Um, A few things that we were seeing uh, was some bitterness and uh, disappointment. Um, How many of you have ever been disappointed? (laughs) How many of you have ever been bitter? Hey, y'all are honest. That's cool. Uh, we have to be very careful with these things because they can really deter our purpose in life. If, if we really focus on these things, listen, you know, um, Romans 8 talks about nothing separating us, but it talks about present day and future. It doesn't talk about past. The thing about bitterness and, and jealousy kind of ties itself in there with them. Bitterness, jealousy, uh, and discouragement, all those things kind of, we have to be careful, especially in the church. They can hide kind of under the guise of discernment. I don't want to poke on anybody too much, but they can kind of hide under that because when you start saying you're discerning some things, you have to be very careful because it's really not our job to do that necessarily all the time, especially with other people's hearts. We don't, we bear, we're learning our own hearts and renewing our own minds. When we, when we begin to go through and, and poke at other people's, we're kind of stepping out of bounds there. So be careful with that. Um, on the other hand, in our own lives, when we deal with disappointment and discouragement, um, jealousy, those things, those things come from a place of lack. We, we shouldn't lack anything in Christ. So when we operate from those places, here's the, here's the bad part. And I'm not, I'm not talking about any of you guys individually here. We were just talking about it and praying about it, and we, we felt it in the Spirit, and so began to read about it. And, in, 
And there's so many, so many interesting things that how quickly that stuff starts to spread when you focus on it. Going back to a few weeks ago when I was talking about physical ailments, when, we, when you Google things, <laughs> be very careful when you Google physical ailments um, because they're all bad. I mean, the, the Internet's a crazy place, and it leads you to death immediately. My elbow itches. You've got elbow cancer. It's like always, it's, it never fails. But listen, and I, and I told y'all, I even gave you a little insight into my crazy mind trying to figure out, you know, my kidney shutting down, the percentage rate of kidney transplant. I mean, I'd gone all the way to the very end of the Internet searching a backache, essentially. But when we focus our minds on those things, we can really begin to distract ourselves from everything productive in the kingdom. Here's what else we do. We do the same thing to other people around us. Not intentionally, but that's what happens. We will begin to um, manifest that stress and anxiety, and it will begin to multiply. But here's disappointment. What I found is disappointment is, is usually tied to something in the past, right? When you're disappointed at something that has already happened. Now, I think it's interesting in Romans when he talks about nothing can separate us. He talks about nothing present, nothing, uh, no, no things to come. <clears throat> I can't talk, no things to come. He doesn't mention the past. I don't think that the past separates us from the love of God at all, but it can uh, lessen our awareness of the love of God. Does that make sense? When you are so focused on something outside of the will of God or outside of Christ himself in our lives, you begin to, you begin to manifest those things with which you're feeding off of. Now, that's completely separate from your eternal soul. You're not losing your salvation. You're not separated from God. But you are, you are voluntarily rendering yourself ineffective and in producing that in other people inadvertently. When we, when we begin to see this, this kind of spirit of disappointment and discouragement and stuff, we need to call it what it is and, and move on. Uh, we briefly talked about it in youth. I hung out with the youth last, last week, and I think they're going to talk about it a little bit more this week, about uh, discipline. The thing about discipline, the Lord does discipline um, His children, but discipline is preparation for the future. It's not punishment for the past. So when, you, when we talk about discipline, immediately we think it's punishment for something. Well, Jesus took our punishment. He took the wrath of God on himself. So if there's not punishment, what is discipline? Discipline is putting you in a place that, that is created for you for your future. We even talked about the future that God had for me that was there the whole time. I just needed someone to awaken or give me a, a bit of a, a, a peek into. I used to tell the kids, how much of the sky would I have to peel back for you to see something behind it, for you to believe that there was something there, Right. Like, if there was a ceiling tile and I opened it up and you could see something, you know, there, would you need to see the whole thing to believe that something was actually behind it? In the same way, when we, when we begin to get revelation of who God is and who he is in our lives, you don't need to have it all figured out. <laughs> this is the intimidation. This is why people begin to get disappointed. I'm not enough. I can't do enough. I'm not smart enough. Um, I'm not enthusiastic enough. I'm not charismatic enough. Or You begin to think I'm not enough. When Jesus says, no, you are enough, <laughs> He is enough. The thing is, when we begin to, the same way the disciples did, they worked all night in a profession that they knew very well, right? They, they were fishermen, and they were fishing, and they caught no fish. <laughs> Jesus says, in the first instance, throw your, and I'm not going to get it, whether it's deep water or to the right of the boat. Jesus tells them to do something, and they do it. Simple as that. Jesus says, okay, we'll do this. They do it, and it works, Right? The first instance, he says, throw it into deeper water. They throw it in the deeper water. They catch a bunch of fish. Second instance, he says, throw it to the right side of the boat, and you'll catch a bunch of fish. And they did. The interesting thing about the second instance is when they show up on shore, it says in the scriptures that he was already cooking fish. So it wasn't just the fish that they had. He already he brought fish with him. 
But the cool thing is he also supplied the fish that they caught. <laughs> so he's the supplier of all of it. But they co-labored with him. They listened to what he was saying and they did it. Why? They trusted him. They remembered from the last time when he did this, oh, and this, I think this is also the reason why uh, Simon Peter recognized that it was him. He's like, oh, this, this is so familiar. Deja vu. Let's, let's do this. This is the Christ. This is who he is. And so when he begin, I think when we begin to see that, that he's doing it all, this is, this is where the, I think the whole thought process of, of uh, I think people that fall under grace begin to, or people think that we're apathetic. We're not a, nobody wants to push things aside that we're, we're saying we don't need to do things. There's lots of things to do. We just do them from a different place. We're not doing them to gain merit with God so that we are holier or better. We do them from a place of merit with God because Christ has already died for us to be there. So this whole apathetic thing doesn't work. I mean, if, you know, from the outside looking in, and when people come to me and talk about grace that way, I've stopped arguing with people. I'll just say, well, you don't understand grace. Until you get a better understanding of grace, then we can have a discussion. Until that point, I don't have the time or energy to argue <laughs> with people that try to detract you from that, saying that you're trying to, that you don't have to do anything because of the finished work of Christ. No, because of the finished work of Christ, I've got lots of things to do. You guys have lots of things to do because of the finished work of Christ. Listen, when Jesus... Uh, I'm going to tell you this story. This, this should be a disappointing story, but this morning, as I, I kind of thought it out, it really isn't. It's, it, something about testimony and stories, and none of the people that were with me yesterday even know about this. This was really cool about it. We, uh, the, the lock-in thing got canceled. Uh, Cecily's sick. We need to pray for Cecily, too. She wasn't feeling well. The whole lock-in thing got canceled. Um, so then, since it was canceled, a few few friends, a few guys, you guys from church asked us to go to an arts festival, which is way too cultured for me. But I was like, yeah, we'll just go hang out. But as soon as I heard that, I thought, I remember even that night and then uh, yesterday morning, I woke up thinking, there's going to be a large group of people there that I have no idea who they are. And I prayed, Lord, I want you to open my eyes to someone that needs prayer. I just want to pray for somebody. I think it'd be cool. And, and I wasn't doing it for this, but in the back of my mind, I thought, this is going to be really awesome. If something happens, I'll be able to tell you guys about it today. I mean, seriously, I'm just being completely transparent here. I told no one, the people that are here that were with us yesterday knew nothing about it. But they were church people, so I knew they'd be cool with it. But, uh, <clears throat> but I remember, and we had lots of kids with us, so half the time we were just making sure they weren't lost. But, uh, <laughs> so that was a little distracting. But I remember at one time, at one point, we were just waiting. A few of us were in a store, and we were waiting for them to come out. I remember scanning like Iron Man or something, like scanning the crowd. <laughs> do you have a hurt ankle? <laughs> you know, just looking around or something. And there was nothing. I mean, the Lord didn't prompt me to do anything. And I wasn't just going to go grab somebody like, you know. <laughs> but I didn't feel led at any point yesterday to do any of that. And I thought, I was a little bit disappointed by the end of the day. I thought, well, what a missed opportunity. There are thousands of people here, and I know somebody needed prayer. And, but here's the cool thing. This is, this is the revelation I got this morning. Julie, you continue to tell me that until I realize that you're right. Is That God is in everything. And I, I look back on that, and, and even this morning as I was praying, God, what were you teaching me here? Because I, I know that wasn't for nothing. I know that I was willing. I know that I was looking. I know that in my head I was active. I wasn't doing it for show. I didn't tell anybody else. Um, but I just, I just wanted to you know, look for that opportunity. Same thing I tell you guys to do. And so as I was praying this morning, I was like, what were you trying to, you had to have been teaching me something. Here's what I think he was teaching me. Um, it's not about what we do and how we do it. It's about just listening to him. Because, because I know 
that someone in that crowd needed something. And I know that I was willing to do it. I wasn't embarrassed. I know these things. So if the Lord was trying to teach me something, all I can think that he was trying to teach me was I need to just listen to him and not do things when he doesn't ask me to do them. And that's all I got. That's all I got from that this morning. Um, something else I did, I noticed, was uh, there was, there, as I was looking back and trying to, trying to gain something from it, because I, I, I do think Jesus and all these things, I mean, there's, I did see some interaction with some of the friends that we were with and a little boy that's a part of our family that doesn't get as much interaction with um, joking around and playing or whatever with the father figure and got an opportunity to do that. And so that in and of itself was a blessing. So there were, there were things that, that, God can, that God can teach us that we don't need to look at as disappointments, but as teaching moments, even in the times when it doesn't work out the way that we think that they should, right? This is why we serve a relational God, not just a historical God. This is why I think that God came to earth so that he could spend time with us, so that he could see us and, and function within how we operate. Because it wasn't just a distant text message to say, do all these things. I, got, I actually saw a really cool, I think it was Janet. Is Janet here? She's in preschool. Y'all can tell her later. But I screenshot this. She posted it. It was really good. Um, and it goes along the lines with, with how relational our God is. So Max Lucado quote. It says, when a father leads his four-year-old son down a crowded street, he takes him by the hand and says, hold on to me. He doesn't say, memorize the map or take your chances dodging traffic. <laughs> Or let's see if you can find your way home. The good father gives the child one responsibility. Hold on to my hand. God does the same with us. Listen, Jesus already had fish. They had no fish. They worked hard. They didn't get any fish. Jesus said, throw your nets in a different place. They got fish. Jesus provided those fish. They were, they were cooperating with him and they were working. But Jesus did everything, essentially, all the important things anyway. Listen, I wanted to dig deeper into a deeper truth here, and there is one here. I think about uh, the revelation of the New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. But really the Lord is leading me more to, um, to help you guys see a more relational God day to day. So as, as he does, he messes up my sermon sometimes for the better. I say he messes them up, he makes them better. So I think there is a truth that where we struggle and we work in the Old Covenant, and then he says, just do this, it's, my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light, look... I've taken care of everything for you. Cast your net over here and you'll have everything you need. I think there is a truth in that and it's a very good truth. But I think for us individually as we come into this building in Westmobile on, on Sunday to try to gain something, I think that the revelation of who God is in your life right now is more important than, than, than anything. Because as, as you function in and amongst other people, lost and, and saved, uh, that's what they need. Um. There's nothing wrong with explaining it, but we have to be we have to be very careful that we don't get caught up in trying to overthink everything. Here's 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 what I want to kind of want to kind of get to. I'm just I like skipping to the end. I'm not real good with building up. Like, come on, Justin, you got to build up to that. Now well, let's just jump to it. The cool thing is they had breakfast with Jesus. I mean, wow. <laughs> That's the cool thing. Resurrected Jesus. They had breakfast. They got to sit down and have breakfast with him. Amen. Now, he may have taught them something, and, and that's great, but just being in the presence of, of God incarnate after being dead and coming back, you know, what else, what else do you want? <laughs> what else do you need? So 
<clears throat> There's a scripture I, I wanted to touch on two weeks ago, but we, we didn't really get that direction. But I really want to touch on it this week. It's John twelve twenty eight. It says, a voice came down from heaven. It says, I've glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd, the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered, and others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with Babylon B? It's kind of a satirical uh, Christian, I don't know if it's a website, they just have posts. Um, I let you guys weed out the good ones, and so I don't I don't follow them. <laughs> but you guys usually pop up with some of the funny ones, and a lot of them, most of them are funny. They're pretty pretty clever, um, and some of them are good in that they point out some of the screwed up ways that we do church in America, and it's good to see some of those. But and I've told a few of you guys this as well. I don't follow them, and I try not to look at too much of that because I want to be careful that I'm not too jaded. The reason is. Um, I want to be careful that that I don't look for you know a joke in everything, and I don't I don't want to make light of something that God may be doing in a certain situation because I'm so caught up in my own uh, satirical humor, right? I think we need to be careful with that because our hearts can be, our hearts can become hard towards certain situations, and we talked about it a little bit in in my office this morning. We we don't just need to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and everything. Listen, there is, it is so important for us, and one of the reasons why I love Wednesday nights, it's so important for us to understand Scripture and what Scripture is telling us and revealing to us. These are very important things. It doesn't mean that you don't need to feel bad if you don't fully understand everything or grip it. That's why we're doing it, so we can understand it better. Listen, we don't need to write off every person that falls out just because, or, or every person that, uh, you know, whatever. You, you paint the picture. Every situation that we've seen handled incorrectly... <laughs> We don't need to throw out the window just because we've seen it done incorrectly. I've always used the example of counterfeit money. You, you don't counterfeit fake money. You counterfeit real money. So there's lots of counterfeits out there, and there's lots of fake stuff going on. But we don't, need to, we don't need to throw out the real thing just because there's lots of fake things going on. And this goes across the spectrum. I'm not poking anybody's background, history, or theology. I'm just saying every Sunday God takes my neatly built box and crushes it every Sunday. Every, it never fails. He messes it up every Sunday. I, and I, seriously, I try to keep it somewhat intact. <laughs> I promise you, I don't, I don't plan to come up here and cry every Sunday, and, or I don't plan to come up here and fall apart. Um, I just, every time I, I focus on the Lord, especially amongst other people who are focusing on the Lord, something in me shifts. Now, we can, we can analyze that if you want to. I don't really care. Um, what I do care about is that I don't want any of you guys to, it's a song, to lose your wonder. I don't want you to lose um, the mystery that is God. I mean, there are things that we're not going to fully understand. And if you've got it all figured out, then you might not be in the right place. Because <laughs> I don't have it all figured out. But that no more lessens my relationship with the Lord and my ability to minister to people than it does you. I've, I've always heard it, and I, I want to get to, I want to talk about this a little bit too, but I've always, I've, I've always heard it. Well, I might not have time. I guess I was going to preach a sermon. Uh, 
I've always found, especially testimonies of people, experiences that they've had to, to really raise my level of faith. The Bible is full of testimonies that raise my level of faith. You guys are full of testimonies that raise each other's levels of faith. We don't need to make light of those things all the time, especially if they're not the way that we think that they should be. I think that it's important that we don't, we don't draw these lines too hard as far as uh, what God's willing to do in and through us and in and through the people around us. I don't want to be the one that said it thundered when God was speaking. It was very clear God was speaking. He says a voice came from heaven. And he even said this voice was for your benefit, not mine. <laughs> so it's for our benefit to hear God. It's an intimidating thing to say that you communicate with deity. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. But listen, this whole gospel is tied up in the supernatural. There's no way around it. Uh, C.S. Lewis, which I'll probably butcher his quote, says, you know, Jesus was either the man he said he was or he's an insane person, uh, equal of a man who says he's a poached egg. You know, Jesus is not a good moral teacher and blatantly lie about being the Son of God and performing miracles left and right. It's either one or the other. Listen, in your life today, you can't go around and, and analyze everything and break everything down, and I'm, spe- I'm preaching to myself here too, and break everything down in a way that makes sense to you because it's not all going to make sense all the time. I think we have to leave ourselves open to what God's doing, and I, I mentioned this two weeks ago, if you're, prayer, if you're struggling in your prayer life, change your prayer life. It's not on his end. <laughs> he's doing something. Get in line with what he's doing. It'll be better than what you're doing anyway. All right. I, I kind of went longer than I expected. But I want to I see what you guys think. Uh, we've got probably about five minutes to kind of talk about it. And I want to give you an opportunity to, well, let's, let's start there. Let's just talk about it because I don't know that we're going to have time to do the second thing I wanted to do. Um, do we have a mic? Donahue the young kids don't know who Donahue is briefly if you guys have either a testimony or want to add or take away something I hope you don't want to take away anything but add something to what we're talking about anybody y'all have lots of good things to say so don't be shy I'm not the only one that has revelation in here anybody huh you stick at your mouth Uh, I just wanted to point out, you were talking about how you had prayed that God would show you something on that day. Um, before we had Christ, we was always worried about a destination. Now that our destination is secure, it's the journey. So sometimes the journey is through a place where you do something, and sometimes it's just a place where you observe. Hmm. Something. Oh, go ahead. Along those lines, I always thought that, you know, I'm looking for things to do. But when we go to a place, we take the kingdom of God with us. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I take the light of the gospel, the light of the kingdom, wherever I go. And so I bring peace to that situation. We all do. Yeah. And so that's how I view those situations. I didn't get to do anything cool, <laughs> but 
my presence brought the kingdom of God to that situation. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Kind of Fruit pertaining happens. to the message. <laughs> That's uh, right. Pertaining to the message that you just uh, gave us, um, I feel that uh, one thing that we can add to this is that when uh, Jesus shows up, okay, which on the two occasions that he showed up, he showed us a life of abundance. So, and the disciples understood that very clearly, that he was abundantly great and could fulfill all of their needs. So if we apply that abundance to our life, no matter what situation that we're in, we're going to prosper and grow from it. Yeah. 100%. And we just can't believe the world's advertisement that is constantly thrown at us uh, from a negative standpoint. We need to stay in the abundance of Jesus Christ. Right. And we, he goes on and after the, the one story to talk about being fishers of men as well and, and explaining to them, look, and even in that instance he's saying, look, I'm still going to supply everything, but you, you're not just going to be fishers, but you're going to be fishers of men, not cleaners of fish goes back to the whole thing. You don't have to discern every little thing and try to get in everybody's business and try to figure everything out. You're just supposed to be out there fishing. Kind of the, the same thing with casting seeds. He's the one that makes them grow. You just keep casting. Our position is secure in him, and it should be secure enough that we don't have to constantly worry about the end goal. He's got the end goal in mind, too. We just cast the seeds. We just fish. I mean, our, our play your part, <laughs> know your part, know our role. And we co-labor with Christ. He does the hard work. His, his, his burden is easy and his yoke is light on us because he's doing all the hard work. He's doing all the heavy lifting. So we get to live this, this, this life of joy even now currently and we get to spread the kingdom everywhere we go. This is, good. This is, this is good news. Just going back to the thing I was talking about, it just may not look the same way you think it should look. And I speak from experience. It, it's, it's shifts and changes. Something I thought about too real quick that, that Doug mentioned a couple weeks ago that I forgot to mention. It went along with what I was talking about then, but you just reminded me of it. The day we were uh, praying for Shane, um, and without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord was saying, go grab Doug. Doug needs to pray for Shane. And I thought, I'm, not that Doug's not a good person to grab to pray, but it's not often that you know Doug pops into my head to come pray for somebody, and I was like, this is weird, but okay, whatever. I went and grabbed Doug. Doug comes over there. We explain the situation. He had the same situation that Shane had. I had no idea. He was dealing with the same exact thing that, that he was dealing with. It's kind of like the, the thing I was talking about last week with my friend. Listen, it's, if, if, we're, if we're aware, if we've got, I say, our, our spiritual radars up, um, all you have to do is listen. God's, God's not confusing anybody. He's not hiding and, and tricking you and trying to make you do something stupid. God is very clear when he speaks. It's, it's not, he didn't send his Holy Spirit to confuse us. He's not the author of confusion. That's our enemy, <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit has come to lead us and to comfort us and to show us. So don't be intimidated by that. If you just listen, he'll speak. And the more you hear, the more confident you'll get in listening. Anybody else? Carol? I, the emphasis on the relational God that he is is just magnificent. I, I can't in the last, this is year six, in the last uh, five years, the way the Lord has taught me that what he wants out of me is relationship with him, not performance. 
and it is yeah. amazing. And then I have a, another thing. I, um, you all know that we're praying for Robin Birch's mom, Miss mm-hmm. um, Collier. And um, she has been desperately ill um, this week. And Thursday evening, she was not doing well. And when I left, I thought maybe she was going to heaven. Um, I've gotten to know her because as a widow, I have gone to visit her because she's a widow. And (laughs) somehow that redeems my situation, so I guess it's selfish in a sense. To just share Jesus because I know how much he is a healer of our hearts and our emotions as we walk through that situation. So when I left Thursday night, I thought, well, maybe this is her time. But I went in yesterday morning, and she was not sedated. And although she's still on breathing equipment, she was able to communicate very well with her eyes. And she, I mean, it was remarkable. That's awesome. Jesus visited her and has improved her situation. Now, whether or not this illness will be the one to take her, I'm not the one to say that. But the Lord has deepened his relationship, and the Birches have deep, that whole family has deepened their relationship with the Lord because of what their mother's walking through. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, it's just, it's wonderful because he is all about relationship. And one more little thing, I'm talking too long. When he talks to Peter after they eat breakfast, and he restores Peter to himself. He never mentions Peter's sin. Yeah. He did not say one word about that. He just asked Peter about his love. Yeah. And uh, that's just an amazing God. Yeah. No, no person could do that. <laughs> and that's the thing. We, <clears throat> if we focus on the main, if there's one point you can take away from this is how relational God is because it, our situations will change and they'll be good and bad. It doesn't mean that we don't petition for them to be good, because we do. But ultimately, God walks with us through the miracles, and he walks with us through the tragedies. The, the main focus is that he is with us. Amen. That's the main focus. He is with us. And regardless of what that looks like or the outcome, people aren't lacking um, just a, a greater understanding necessarily. People need to experience who God is in their lives right now, currently. And that's what you guys bring to the table. Just like Fred was saying, you walk in and you are bringing a, a new atmosphere. You are adjusting the atmosphere of what's going on around you. And when you pray for someone, you're adjusting that atmosphere. You are changing the situation. You are now affecting. It's not affecting you. The thing we mentioned earlier, and I don't want to spend too much time with about bitterness and disappointment, that's going the opposite direction. You don't focus on those things. Doesn't mean you don't see them. They're there. We're not blind or dumb, but we focus on the solutions, not the problems. And so when we see the solution, we focus on that and we share that with everybody else. We can relate with issues. We all have issues, but we're not. We don't need to focus on those things. It will wreck your life, and it will give birth to some pretty bad things. Uh, one thing that uh, comes to mind is that you know disappointment in life is kind of inevitable, but. It doesn't have to be defeat. Defeat is optional. And we have, uh, thank God, the victory in Christ. And for me to live is Christ. And, but disappointment does show up. It yeah. doesn't mean we have to be defeated. Right. <clears throat> you guys stand up with me. I'll, I'll pray for you guys. And I want to pray for Robin's mom and Cecily as well. But f- from the same thing that you were just saying too, 
the thing we say all the time is we fight from victory, not towards it. Listen, the whole thing about the finished work of Christ prompts us to do things because we're now confident in who we are. The whole grace thing, I always say, puts us in a peculiar position because now you don't have to earn anything anymore. You actually have something to give. It's so simple. The gospel makes so much sense that now we can actually function within this grace community because we're not trying to earn or gain anything. So it should prompt us to be much more radical with how we love people, much more radical in how we uh, demonstrate that love and grace to other people around us because of what we understand about grace and the truth about the gospel. Father, we just thank you um, that you are good and you are... (laughs) You are dad. <clears throat> and Father, we just uh, we just pray for Robin's mom right now and, and the whole Birch family, Lord, that, that this, is, uh, this is definitely uh, a stressful for them, a stressful situation. Um, and, and they are looking to you for, for comfort and for guidance. And Father, we know that you have it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to minister to to them and and through them to the people that are around them. Um, Father, we pray for Cecily right now, whatever's going on with her, uh, with her being sick. Father, we we pray that you would take that away, Lord, right now. We pray for healing in her body right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, just for our our church as a a church body, Father, I just pray that that you would continue to um, put love at the forefront, Lord, and that you would um, continue to work in and through us together so that we... We would serve not to gain some sort of um, identity and and what we do around here, Lord, but that we would we would just serve from you, Lord, to the ones around us, from the smallest things to the biggest things, Lord. I uh, I just thank you for everyone in this place that has just contributed to to our church and our family and to the kingdom as a whole. Um, we're just we're just very blessed, and I just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.